Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we break down some of the games we talked about on Sunday and highlight some really good games for this upcoming weekend. Then we look at men and women's conference tournaments happening right now and what you can expect from them going forward. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I'm your host, Trotter Scarce, and as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Thomas Woods. Thomas, how you doing today, buddy? Pretty good, no complaints. Um, since our last episode dropped, I haven't been too busy, kind of just uh, sitting back, enjoying, doing a little bit of schoolwork here and there. But it's been an easier week for me, so that's been good. Love to hear it. I know we're uh, we're gearing up for spring break here in Columbia. Looking forward to going home and spending a little time with the family and uh, just enjoying some time off of school. Because I, I know if if I'm like anything else, uh, like college students out there, I am in need of a break desperately. So definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, unfortunately for uh, Clemson, we don't have a break until I think the 18th, the first one, the first day of Oof. our break. So we have a while. Yeah. We have a while. South Carolina still elite, just saying. Anyways. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of Clemson losing, man, they lost to Virginia. Um, but I will say we were we were right in our prediction about it being low scoring. You said that you could see it being a high school game and not even getting to 70, and it didn't get to 70. Virginia took the win on Tuesday. 64 to 57 and you know Virginia still didn't look very good on offense but they did enough on defense like like I thought they would just to get by against Clemson yeah and the way I see it I feel like Clemson more so shot themselves in the foot than Virginia just playing dominant basketball I've talked to a lot of people about this game and um I think the common consensus here is that that was a game that we could have won, I think, um, at home or on a neutral site. I'm confident that Clemson can compete with Virginia. This was a pretty competitive game up until you know, late in the second half, kind of got away from Clemson until like the last few seconds. They made it a seven-point game. But um, the Tigers struggled offensively with with a really good defense. They couldn't get the ball to the court comfortably because of uh, the, the most anno- annoying player in college basketball, in my opinion, uh, K.A. Clark, is the yeah. most annoying player in college basketball. He he really limited Chase Hunter in this one. And um, despite uh, P.J. Hall and Hunter Tyson's best efforts, Clemson wasn't uh, didn't have enough in the tank to win this game. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the the Kihei Clark. He he, I feel like he's been there for twenty years and he's done the same thing for twenty years and just be a absolute pest. Like I don't I don't think he really does anything else. He'll like hit a three every now and again, but he is just an absolute menace on the defensive side of the ball. Which I mean, that's what Tony Bennett wants. So uh, if it works for him, I, I guess it works for uh, works for me. This is you know I think it's interesting in this game how. You know, we had mentioned how inconsistent Clemson was, but I feel like whenever Hunter Tyson and PJ Hall are both scoring 17 and 19 points, Clemson's normally doing pretty good. So kind of why did nobody else in this game really step up for the Tigers and, and assist in, in the scoring on this one? Um, well, I'll start with Chase Hunter. He's at a, like supposed to be our third best, most reliable scorer. And um, with him, it was just he was getting guarded by Kia Clark full court the entire game. Uh, he's a... He's a point guard for us this year, but he's historically more of a shooting guard kind of player, not much of a ball handler historically. And so um, whenever you're tasked with going up against Kia Clark for the entirety of the game, and he's just a menace on the defense side of the ball, it's hard to do anything. And then uh, Brevin Galloway is coming off of his best game of his career against NC State. Um, it's it's He was kind of due for a poor shooting night. That's kind of what he had. Um, and then really, even, even though Hunter Tyson had – uh, 17 points. He shot poorly, um, especially in that first half. I think at one point he was like one of six, one or seven from three, finished three eleven from three. And he's he's a taller, um, he plays like a small forward spot. And he's a taller, small forward, but um, he doesn't use that height in the post very well. So he's more of a perimeter guy. Um, and so I, I really think um, Virginia's defense, as you can expect, was lights out. But in my opinion, um, 
I, I don't like to blame the refs for the game. I'm not going to sit here and blame the refs. Um, but the free throw discrepancy is huge. Um, Virginia went 15 of 22 from the free throw line. Clemson went four of five. Some of that comes from the end of the game, um, you know, just fouling, trying to get back in the game at the end. But throughout the entire game, Clemson really didn't get any calls. And um, there was some that I think were, were toss-ups, but I think the refs kind of fed into the narrative that Virginia's defense is so good that they don't foul. And there was a lot of calls that I was like, maybe that was too much That was too much contact there. I think that was a foul. And then it was like they were calling it more so on Clemson. Um, but really, I think the story of this game is Clemson turning the ball over a lot early. Um, they dug themselves into a hole. Virginia was scoring the ball um, on fast break pretty pretty well. And so Clemson shot themselves in the foot more so than the refs. But the, the free throw discrepancy definitely tells a big story in this one. Yeah, I got to agree. And we've said it multiple times on the podcast. You know, whenever you you only get four uh, free throw makes in, in a game and the other team's got 15, especially when you're on the road, it's going to be really, really hard to win that game. You know, I, I think that this is a Clemson Tiger team and honestly a Virginia team that is – and I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I have a feeling that both of these teams are probably going to make the tournament. Um, you know, I, I think that – you know, there's some question marks around Clemson getting in. I don't know how, but there are. Um, I think the Tigers will get in probably as as a run an eight seed, if I had to guess. Um, but I, I don't expect much out of these two teams in the tournament. You know, just because of the inconsistencies on offense, you got a team like Clemson who, sure, maybe they're going to come out and score 90 points in the first round. But I, I don't see them doing that very much. I could see the Tigers getting to maybe a sweet 16. I don't see them going very much farther than that just because they, they just struggle way too much for, for me to feel confident. And I feel the same way about Virginia. I would not be shocked if Virginia was a, a big upset in the first round just because offensively I, I just haven't been impressed. Um, Whenever Virginia gets in foul trouble is when – they lose games. If you look at, you know, the the Boston College game, the Virginia Tech game, gotten foul trouble early in the second half. And, and I know at least in the Virginia Tech game, like the Hokies were shooting two free throws for the last 10 minutes of the game. And, you know, with with the inconsistencies on offense, Virginia just couldn't compete with that. And they couldn't do that in, in Chapel Hill and uh, up in Boston as well. So I think these are two teams that I know are at the top of the ACC, but I, I definitely do not have too much confidence in them. Um, as we get into uh, tournament time in, in the national scale as well as just the conference scale. Yeah, I really hope you're right about Clemson making the tournament. Um, I'm not as confident as you are in that happening um, just because of the narrative that's been around them all year. Um, I do think they're deserving, but I don't know if that'll end up being the case. Um, but this game, I think, um, was a big one. I mentioned that this was you know a really big game for, for standings in the ACC. Um, and I just want to throw this out there because – um, I haven't been able to cover it on the next-gen Tigers yet. So for any Clemson fans listening to this, um, Clemson going into this game or really going into the NC State game had a very outside chance of winning the regular season division or the regular season ACC title. And um, they needed a lot of things to happen. And those things started happening for Clemson. And um, going into the Virginia game, had Clemson beaten Virginia, all they needed was a pit, lost Notre Dame, and then pit to beat Miami. Well, Clemson obviously didn't win against Virginia, so that didn't happen. But – Pitt lost to Notre Dame. Huge upset. Notre Dame's second to worst in the ACC. They managed to get the win over the top team in, top team in the ACC. And then all it would take is a, a Pitt win against Miami, and Clemson would be the uh, sole winner of the ACC um, this season, So, or regular season this season. So um, very disappointing for Clemson fans. Um, but there still is a, a hope for the three seed if Pitt loses to Miami. So uh, not too, too much to worry about there. But it'll be interesting. Um, I think in the ACC – to, to me right now, there's one proven team, and that's Miami. Um, I think every other team, it'll be really interesting to see how they finish the season. Um, a lot can change from now to till the ACC tournament. And then obviously once ACC tournament play starts, upsets happen, marches here. And um, it, it worries me um, for the ACC as a whole. If teams don't get hot at the right time, the, the ACC could have a really bad showing um, come national tournament time. So the ACC is a conference that I think really – um, hinges on, on how well teams play in the ACC tournament. And then, um, you know, like we said before, it's whoever gets hot at the right time. So um, it'll be interesting to see who who gets hot at the right time in the ACC. I agree. And I think something that's really, really interesting is if you look at the standings in the ACC, you've got Pitt, Miami, and Virginia all tied at 14-5. and five. You've got Clemson 
and Duke at 13 and six. So, you know, let's play devil's advocate here just for kicks and giggles. If let's say Pitt beats Miami and Virginia loses to Notre Dame and both Clemson and Duke win on Saturday, there's going to be a four way tie at the top of the ACC. So I think that's kind of funny. I think that's kind of interesting how a lot of people have been down on Duke this year as well. I've heard a lot of Duke hate this year, and there's still a chance that they tie for the regular season championship in the ACC. Uh, they have a really big game against North Carolina uh, in the rivalry, so it's going to be uh, an exciting game to watch there. I know we're not going to really talk about it, but it's worth mentioning that that is going on because I know we didn't mention it last time um, because we, we do ranked games, and so when it's not a ranked game, I, I might not necessarily even look. Um, so I apologize for that, but they do play North Carolina this weekend. That's going to be a big one. And, and, you know, Duke is playing for something now because like we mentioned, you want to be one of those first four teams. So if you're Duke and, and you're Clemson, there's still a chance that you're in that top four. I know that that Clemson's there right now, but a slip and, and you're out. So uh, need to be careful, but it's going to be a really exciting end to the regular season for both of these teams. For sure. And uh, I mean, Duke has a lot to play for, like you're saying, and all, all Clemson has to do is beat Notre Dame, which, I would, I would usually say it's pretty easy, but like I just said, Notre Dame just upset Pitt. So um, I know it's a sold-out crowd here in Little John on Saturday. I'm going to be there for sure. Um, it's a late game, and that, that's going to be a game that really um, could be really important for Clemson going down the stretch here. Like, like we talked about with Clemson, I, I know we talk about them a lot right now just because I know a lot about them. I could talk about them for days. But um, for Clemson, if you're looking at them on a national scale, um, once they're hot, they're hard to beat, and it's just – if they can get hot at the right time, they can be a scary team. I like what you're saying about Sweet 16. I think that's definitely a possibility if they can manage to get in the tournament. Um, and it, for, we've seen them go on stretches where they get really hot. It really just matters if you get that big win at the right time. So beating Notre Dame on Saturday in good fashion would be a, a big win. And then ACC, plays, ACC tournament play starts, and that's when uh, things really start going down. Absolutely. It's going to be a very exciting Saturday in college basketball this Saturday across the men and the women's we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later on, but uh, lots to play for still for both Clemson and Virginia. However, Virginia got the win in this one over Clemson moving into our next game. Providence fans. I'm sorry. We have, we did it to you. I'm so sorry. I, we joked about it. I felt really confident. I, I really did. Of all the games I picked, I felt the most confident about this one. And it was the one game I didn't pick. Right. So Providence fans, just a moment of silence for you. I'm really sorry about it. I promise I won't pick Providence the rest of the year. Um, you have my word. Um, but Xavier did get the win, 94 to 89 over Providence on Wednesday. Um, an absolute barn burner. As always, when these two teams play each other, it's a great game. It's a great atmosphere. Um, but Xavier getting the best in this one uh, again over, over the Friars. Yeah, um, Providence had all five starters in double digits, all of them 14-plus. Uh, that's usually a recipe for success for most teams. And in most games for the for the Friars, that'd be the case too. Um, unfortunately, uh, Xavier had two guys in uh, Soleil Boom. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. I think so. Uh, and, um, and then also Colby Jones. Both of them put up 29 and 33 points. So um, really a great game for Colby Jones. Shot. 10 of 11 from the field, 3 of 3 from three-point range, at 29 and 9 rebounds. So, I mean, this one was more so um, just two good teams going at it, and uh, the better team on that day just happened to be Xavier. And I wouldn't even say it was the better team on that day. It was the better performances on that day. Um, I think the better team on that day was, was Providence. But um, when, you, when you have two guys combining for, for well over 60 points, you're in a good spot. Yeah, I got to agree. However, when you look at Providence's starting five, not a single one of them scored under 14 points. Uh, that's really impressive. However, when when you look at the bench play, they only had 11 points off the bench. And while Xavier didn't have many, they, they did have just a little bit more in 14, um, and they did end up winning by, by just a little bit more, uh, like we mentioned, 94 to 89. So... You know, these are two teams that we, we've mentioned this in the past that uh, I think this could be a really big year for the Big East in the tournament. And these are two teams that, you know, if if I'm a Big 12 team right now, and, and let's play devil's advocate, say TCU, right? If I'm TCU and I'm watching these two teams, like, mm -mm, nope, 
I do not want to play these teams because I think these are two really, really good basketball teams. These are two experienced basketball teams with great head coaches. Uh, they're tested day in and day out in the Big East, just like they are in the Big 12. And I'm not sitting here trying to argue that the Big East is as good as the Big 12 because, you know, you've got some teams at the top of the Big 12 that would just absolutely hammer some teams um, in the Big East. But these are really good teams coming down the wire here that that are going to, I think, could potentially make some noise in the tournament. I definitely agree with you. Uh, and these two teams aren't even – the best team in their conference, Marquette, man. Marquette's a really good team um, that you really got to look out for coming down the stretch. They are really hot. Um, I mean, there's a lot Six of in the country. Teams. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really good. I mean, they're there's really a lot good. of really hot teams. Well, they got um, Shaka Smart as the head coach. And Shaka Smart, I mean, anywhere Shaka Smart goes, they're going to win. So, that dude never misses. Yeah. Not wrong. Um, I mean, they've won five straight. And then you look at UConn, they've won four straight. Villanova's had a down year, but they've won three straight. So, they could cause some problems in the uh in the conference tournament too. I mean there's a lot of hot teams in the big east right now and like we've said before and getting out of the right time is the, the recipe to success in March and um a lot of these teams are hot at the right time. So UConn's another one scary conference. Huh? UConn there's another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah UConn yeah. So a lot going on there right now. I agree and I think it's really interesting when you look at the the team stats for this game and, and kind of break it down. I mean, this was about as even as you could be. The field goal percentage, while while Xavier led that, if you look at the three-point percentage, it was 50% from both teams. The free throw percentage was 80 to 75, or excuse me, 76. Uh, rebounds was 37 to 38. I mean, it, it's pretty much neck and neck across the board. And, and you know, that's something that we're, we're used to seeing with these two teams. I mentioned it on, on Sunday that – Listen, anytime these two teams play, it's it's a win at the buzzer. It's a play at, at the last second to to either send it to overtime to win the game, to to protect a lead. And we saw that in, in this one, just, just making plays as, as the clock ran down. And I think that games like this, especially this time of year, now that we're in March, it is absolutely the most important thing right now just to get you ready because you're going to have to do that in the tournament. Right? If, you, if you're going to make a deep run – I'd say you you're not going to get more than two three games that that aren't going to be decided in the last minute. You know I think back to um, Virginia Tech's last run in the tournament where um, they they made all the way to the Sweet 16. Uh, they kind of blew through the first two games of the year and then they got Duke in the Sweet 16 and had a chance to win it at the buzzer and and it rimmed out and you know listen while they were an unbelievable team. I don't think that they were tested enough in the long run and in at the at the very bottom of the ninth playing at, with their backs against the wall. So I think if your teams like this, the more opportunities you get to prove yourself um as games are coming down the wire, I think the better this time of the year. For sure, and this is going to be a a statement that holds true for this game and the next one we talk about, but um Providence, man, they were down 17 first half. Uh, they, they did not look too good in the first half. They were struggling uh, and Providence was able to come back and make this game close, make it competitive toward down the stretch. And I think, you know, I don't, I'm not much into moral victories. I'm really not, but you know, if you lose, you lose, but I do think um, there's some losses that are better than others. Um, had they, you know, like I said, they're down 17. Had they let that lead continue just to grow and grow and never let this game get close. That's a worse loss than losing by, losing by five and making it competitive down the stretch. Um, so I'm really impressed kind of with Providence here. Um, it's it's easy to be down by that many points and just like let it, let the lead grow and, and just kind of let up and give up. And they didn't do that. They had a lot of, uh, a lot of heart, a lot of effort here. And I think that's something that you can uh, look for a little bit encouraging almost for, for um, Providence as they get into games. They're never, they're never out of a game. They're good enough that they can fight back and um, they're never out of a game. So I think that's a really good thing about Providence. I agree. You know, we're at the time of year where sometimes you got to look at the silver lining and say, okay, listen, you know, we, we might've lost to maybe a better team, maybe not a better team, but we played really well. And it's about playing well at the right time, because I think basketball more than any other sport is just about luck. Sometimes, you know, you could shoot the same, same shot three times and it'll fall two of the three. And so sometimes that that's how the night goes. The next game we're going to talk about, um, something kind of similar happened, but that team was able to get by. But just to remind you guys, 
uh, Xavier taking the final in this one over Providence. Moving into our last game we covered from Wednesday night, TCU got the upset over Texas 75 to 73. This was a TCU team not too long ago. Thomas, we were sitting here saying, man, got a feel for them. They're missing their best player, right? Mike Miles Jr. comes back. I'm like, yes, TCU is going to win this game because Mike Miles Jr. is going to go off. Well, TCU won the game, but Mike Miles Jr. missed every shot he took and had one free throw. So, you know, I was close to the next gen curse getting me, but um, uh, I am glad that, that TCU got the win. I think this is a TCU team that, like I said, just almost has nothing to lose and they're playing like it. Yeah, I'm. You know, this is the third game uh, out of the three that I've gotten wrong. I want to point that out. I I know fans that I had a bad week picking. I know what happened. I I, I cursed these teams, um, but I was happy with the TCU win. And I think, um, I really do think that Mike Miles Jr. being on the court helps out. He's a threat even when he's having a bad game to get you a bucket at any point in the game. So he did play poorly, but I think that his presence um, can be enough for TCU to be a better team. Just him being out there makes them a better team, and then. Um, the other thing is, you know, despite them, um, they, they had a big lead at, at certain points in this game um, and they, they got the win, like we said, but uh, they had stretches where they weren't able to score the ball. And I kind of put put, put that kind of on their best player, not scoring well. Um, whenever, you know, your go to bucket getter uh, isn't scoring, it's kind of hard sometimes to find that that guy to score for you. And they had stretches that, you know, they went four or five minutes uh, without being able to put the ball in the basket. And that's never a good sign. But um, more importantly, they got the win. I think that's that's definitely a, a good win for them. Yeah, I agree. And if you look at the flip side with Texas, I mean, this is a Texas Longhorn team that is slipping and sliding at the absolute worst time you could slip and slide. Uh, this time last week, they were sitting in second, and we were saying, listen, this could be an absolute shootout last game of the year for that number one spot, and, and now Kansas has officially locked up the, the regular season crown. Texas has slipped to the fourth place in the Big 12, which isn't saying much because you've got Kansas State and Baylor who are top 15 teams right above you. But this is still a really good Texas team that I think is not playing at the potential that I, I think they should be. This is a team that prides themselves on scoring the basketball. I think that they've really struggled to do that. And, you know, they don't have a reliable source of defense to make up for the fact that some nights you're just not going to shoot the ball well. You know, whenever your your leading scorer is coming off the bench with your boy Serge Barry Rice, um, you know, that's that's a problem because it's nice to have that story every now and again. But right now you don't need the the all-star off the bench. You need your proven guys to go out and get your buckets when you need them. And that just didn't happen in this one. Yeah, uh, Serge Barry Rice really is a firecrack, firecracker off the bench. Um, he is electric. He is uh, he's a bucket getter. He really is. I think that's his role is to come off the bench and be a spark plug, and I think he does that job very well. Um, but you're, you're right. You really can't – you shouldn't be relying on a bench player to be your leading scorer. Uh, he did have the second most minutes in this game, so he really – he's a he's a starter, basically. He just happens to come off the bench. I think that's just his role. Um but yeah, t Texas, man, they're not playing at their full potential right now. That that's definitely for sure. And I will say, I think part of that just lies on their schedule. Um, outside of the Texas Tech game, which was also so looking back at their their, their recent games, Texas Tech was their first loss in this stretch, um, and they lost on the road. And then they went at home, went at home again, lose at at Baylor on the road, lose at TCU on the road. And I just want to say. TCU fans should not have stormed the court. Um, <laughs> I, I like I get like it's a big win, but you're supposed to be a good team too. I, I can't I can't really be talking. Clemson you know rushes the field after every game, so um, but that, that's a tradition. I, I don't like I don't like TCU storming the court here. I think they're better than that. Um, but I, I really do think that most of these problems for for Texas kind of rest on the fact that they're playing away um, on the season. They're four and six um, when they're on the road. And so they're not great on the road, and that's kind of a common theme. It's hard to win games when you're not at home. But uh, looking, you know, towards the tournament, you know, you don't play any home games. They they have one home game left this year. That's against Kansas. They don't have any more home games after that. You can't rely on the home crowd anymore. So um, they kind of need to get things figured out. I guess the no better time than the Big Twelve tournament for that to happen. Um, they need to start winning some some games that aren't at home. Um, and if you look at that top five. Um, the best five teams in this conference, Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, TCU, 
Um, all of them are on winning streaks except for Texas. They're on a two-game losing streak. So they are cold at the wrong time, um, and it does worry me a little bit. So Texas definitely needs to get things turned around in the right direction soon. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, this is the time of year where – you know, you, you don't necessarily always see the best team win in the tournament, right? I can think of countless times that the number one overall seed, who is the by far most unbelievable team in college basketball, loses a game because they're just not playing well or they're playing a team that's incredibly hot. We mentioned North Carolina last year. Uh, I think they were an eight seed, went all the way to the national championship game. Definitely should not have done that, right? They were not that team. But they did. And so, you know, I, I think if you're a team like TCU, you look at kind of a North Carolina from last year and you say, OK, let's go win a couple of games in our, our conference tournament and let's let's go take all the momentum in the world that we have right now and go and, and sh maybe shock the world a little bit in in that national tournament. However, yeah. continue. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. However, with with Texas. I mean, we've got a team here not too long ago that we had Matt on this time last week, and, and we were saying, listen, this is a Texas team that could win a national championship. I don't see that happening anymore. And I know that, you know, things change so fast in college basketball. It's, it's a lot different than any other sport in the sense that you lose two games now, and it's like, oh, gosh, like I'm not picking them. But, you know, a week ago, they were my my second team to, to win a national championship. So I think it's going to be – um, important for the Longhorns to even just maybe salvage something against Kansas this weekend, especially going into that Big 12 tournament. Yeah, and the good news is for them, I mean, they're a lock. They're, they're making the national tournament. They don't have to worry about that. They're not playing for too much at this point other than trying to get momentum. I mean, they want to win the Big 12, obviously, but um, I mean, worst case scenario, they lose their first game in the Big 12 tournament, and they're still in. So, um Right now, I think it's just time to get things turned around. Um, start playing a little bit better. They're not they're not losing these games terribly. I mean, that Baylor loss was was nine points, which wasn't great. But um, I mean, this is a this is a close game. They made this game really close down the stretch, and TCU just was able to pull it out. So, I mean, Texas, I definitely have my concerns. Um, but I'm also I'm more just laying this on the fact that they're playing on the road a lot recently. Um, the schedule. We talked about it a, a lot. The this, this schedule can be draining. Um, you're playing in the Big 12. You're playing great teams night in, night out, and so um, it, it can get it can get tiring. It's easy to get, you know, your, your legs. You get tired. I mean, I had legs today at the gym, man, and I, I was dying. I can't imagine these guys are out there playing basketball seven days a week, playing so much harder than I can imagine. And I mean, at some point, you're gonna get tired. You're gonna get fatigued. Um, and and Texas isn't the deepest team in the world, um, so. I'm really, I'm just kind of put, put this on the, on how they've been doing, just playing on the road. Um, and I'm going to say that hesitantly, depending on how they finish their season and how they go into the, the, the conference tournament play. Um, but right now, my thought process is just that they're playing on the road in a tough, tough conference against really, really good teams. You're going to lose a few. Yeah, and we've said it before. These guys are playing in the toughest conference in America this year. Um, that that definitely speaks to something because if you're playing, if you're team like Gonzaga, right? We'll, we'll harp on Gonzaga for a minute. You're playing cupcakes like every other day. Like it's okay. Listen, I'm not I'm I'm not hating on that. Listen, I mean you can only play who you can play, right? You're in that conference. That's who you're gonna play. However. You got a team like Texas, who I think is way better than Gonzaga, but they're going to finish with a worse record than Gonzaga because Gonzaga just plays cupcakes. So I think if if you're Texas, you are absolutely dying for that break in between the conference tournaments and the national tournament. Like you said, they're a lock, so they're not necessarily concerned about making it. But I, I do think they are definitely concerned about, you know, performing well on Saturday against Kansas. And we're going to really talk about that game here in a couple minutes um, because this is a Kansas team that I, I think is is – geared up to make an absolutely special run in the tournament. Um, but listen, it, it's going to have to be okay if you're a Texas fan because, you know, th there there's very little that, that can really determine a game at this time of the year. But a major factor of that is fatigue. You know, who's well-rested, whose strength and conditioning staff has done their job, and, and whose athletic trainers are getting them the most prepared to play. Um, you know, we've said it time and time again, the first thing that goes when you get tired is offense. 
So I think it's important that Texas just relies on the fundamentals a little bit more, maybe um, rely on the fact that you've got some guards who can shoot the ball really well. You can swing the ball around maybe a little bit and open up some space. Um, and here's the thought, play some defense uh, just to, just to kind of help you limit the scoring of somebody else as well. But regardless of that fact, Texas falls to TCU in this one, 73 to 75. Getting into our games of the weekend. I mean, we could have picked seven or eight of these games, uh, but we're going to stick with just a couple. Our first one is Alabama at Texas A&M. This is an Alabama team that has been surrounded by controversy, that has just kind of scraped by in the last week. This is a Texas A&M team, however, that's pretty, pretty clean cut. They're pretty uh, well run out there. Buzz Williams is an absolutely unbelievable coach. An Alabama team that has already sealed up the SEC regular season title. What can we expect from this one? You know, a few weeks ago, I would have told you this is going to be a Alabama blowout. I do think Alabama's probably the best team in the SEC. Um, and, you know, like you said, they kind of scraped by the last, last week or so. Uh, overtime win against South Carolina, 3.1 against Arkansas, and then Auburn took them to the wire last night in the overtime. Uh, Bama won again. So, uh, they've won four straight, which is always a good sign, but it's like kind of the way they're winning that it kind of worries me. Um, and then Texas A&M, um, they've been one of the hottest teams in basketball outside of that Mississippi State loss from, from last Saturday. So this is a game that I think A&M has a lot to prove. Um, they already have that big win against Tennessee um, at home, and so this would be another huge home win um, to kind of submit themselves as, as really a, a true contender uh, out of the SEC. I agree. This is an Alabama team that I feel like is just getting by, you know, like I, I think that they're just doing enough to get by. And, you know, that's kind of surprising considering how badly they beat Georgia after that Tennessee loss by a final score of 108 to 59. I mean, good gravy, let them breathe. And then they almost lost to South Carolina, almost lost to Arkansas, and then last night barely got by thanks to a uh, bench effort against Auburn. So, you know, I don't feel near as confident in Alabama as I did. Um, you know, after watching that South Carolina game last week, I was very surprised as to how poorly they played, like just offensively. Because, you know, a, a month ago, I probably would have told you Alabama was going to be my pick to win a national championship just because of how good they are. However, you know, with all the the off-court issues that they've had towards the end of the year, I, I just – I don't feel confident in them being consistent enough going into the tournament. I think that that's evident in this one. This is a Texas A&M team that plays great offense. They move the ball. They're really, really fast. They're really, really athletic. And they play great defense as well. They only limit opponents to scoring roughly 65 points a game. Um, I, I think that that's going to be obvious in this one. I think the 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 scoring woes continue for Alabama, and uh, I think that the Aggies are going to pull off an upset. Yeah, I mean that's not a terrible take just because of how Bama's been playing uh, recently. But in this one, I have to disagree. Um, there will be no next gen curse in this one. I I, I don't like picking Alabama ever. Um, in anything, I'm not a big Alabama guy, but. I really do think Brandon Miller is going to be too much. Um, he's one of the best players in college basketball. Um, last game against Auburn, uh, he 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 only scored 17 points. And, you know, when you're saying only, only. for a guy, um, it usually says something good about them. But he scored 17 and shot terribly, 3 of 12 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. I think he bounces back in a big way. Um, I think this is kind of a statement game for them. Um, because I, I do think they have struggled recently, and I think um, I, I think this is a time for them to kind of prove to people wrong. Um, but I, I do think the best team in college basketball is Alabama following a loss. Um, <laughs> if they lose a game, you do not want to play them next. So it'll be interesting to see. If, if they do lose this game, I think they, they um, probably go on a tear in the SEC tournament. Um, and then if they, if they lose the SEC championship, I, I'm, I'm picking them as my national <laughs> champions. So – um, this is definitely a big game, though. Uh, Texas A&M, this would be a huge one for them, just to kind of boost them, give them some a little more momentum than they already have. Um, but I, I do think Bama wins this one. Um, I'm confident in Brandon Miller's ability to score the ball. And I really just think that Bama is probably 
uh, one of the best teams in the country. They have the longest winning streak in the SEC at four games. And so they haven't been doing it convincingly, but a win's a win. Uh, all you have to do is score more points than the opponent, and that's all that matters. And they've been doing that uh, despite the games being close. So I'll say I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's a Bama blowout by 20 points or anything like that. I think it's a game that goes down to the wire, maybe an over, overtime game like we've seen from Alabama the past you know, two out of the last three. Um, so I think this is, this is going to be a good game. Definitely one to watch, um, and it definitely has a lot of uh, implications on who has momentum coming down the stretch here for the SEC. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, I definitely don't think it's going to be any sort of lopsided in, in any direction. I don't think Texas A&M is going to win by a lot. I don't think Alabama is going to win, but I definitely don't see them winning by more than five or six. Um, I mean, playing Alabama after a loss, you got to feel for them. If they lose in the SEC championship game, they could set the tournament record for how many points they're going to win by because uh, they'll, they'll most likely play a pretty low seed and get just absolutely hammered. Um, you know, you, you got to feel for that, but I'm sitting here thinking about it and, and this Alabama team is just, I feel like, like I can say this for every team in college basketball this year, but they're just so just underwhelming at times that I just can't feel confident in picking them. And, and it's kind of funny because I picked uh, Kansas as my national champion not too long ago. And I mean, talk about underwhelming performances, so I think that this is an Alabama team that if they're playing their best basketball, it's probably the best team in the country. I would love to see a Kansas-Alabama game. I think that that would be an absolute cracker. I think that that would be just a great game to watch for, for Bama fans, Kansas fans, neutral parties. I think that that would be awesome. But on the Texas A&M side of things, you know, when I look at Texas A&M, and I'm going to, you know, I'm kicking myself as a South Carolina fan, but I see a lot of Clemson in them because I feel like they're just so underrated that it's just ridiculous. I mean, they're sitting here at the second best team in the SEC, and I saw a bracketology not too long ago is there was an eight seed. Like, how in the world are you going to tell me that Tennessee is a five seed, but Texas A&M, who just beat Tennessee, is an eight seed? I don't, I don't understand it. I would love to to hear the logic behind that because I mean, they've got more conference wins by three as of right now against Tennessee. They beat Tennessee. I don't understand what Tennessee has that, that Texas A&M doesn't because you know, I've got a feeling that it's strength of schedule, but what are you going to do about strength of schedule? Like most of the times the conferences do that and the, the individual schools have, have less to play with that than, than people think. So you know, this is a, a Texas A&M team that I think kind of rides on being the underdog. I think this is a Texas A&M team that that loves the fact that nobody thinks they're going to do anything. Um, you know, you look back to last year when backs were against the wall, they had to win an SEC championship to get in uh, and ultimately didn't. They fell in that SEC championship game and, and ended up in the NIT. I don't think that they're going to let that happen this year. I, I'm, I'm not sitting here going to say that Texas A&M is going to win the SEC, but I am sitting here saying that they're going to be Alabama on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this game's a close game. It can go either way. Um, I'm just – I think the best player in the SEC, in my opinion, is is Brandon Miller. And I, I do think um, a lot of times in college, the best player can win you a game. That's kind of what I see happening here on Saturday. It's just the best player getting the best of a, a really good team at, at A&M. And um, I don't hate that comparison. I do think A&M probably doesn't – they probably deserve more recognition than Clemson does. Um, Clemson has some pretty bad losses that I feel like A&M kind of has avoided, especially recently. So um, I like that comparison, though, for sure. Uh, I appreciate that from a from South Carolina fan. Listen, I try to keep it as unbiased as I possibly can in this one. Uh, this Alabama-Texas A&M game is at 12 p.m. on Saturday on CBS. You're definitely going to want to tune in and watch that one. Our next game is probably the highest um, – I can't I can't think of the word. I'm blanking on the word. But it's the highest ranked matchup all, all day. The most anticipated. That's what I was thinking of. Most anticipated game all day. Number three, Kansas is on the road at number nine, Texas. The first thing, I'm sitting here looking at the, the ESPN graphics for it. The first thing that jumps off the screen at me is the fact that Texas is a 70% chance favorite. What in the world is ESPN doing? I know that this is a completely... Uh, off-topic thing here, but at Next Gen, we like to give you all the facts. And right now, ESPN Analytics is saying that Texas, excuse me, that Texas has a seventy-point-four percent chance of winning. I don't know what they know that I don't, but I definitely don't think that it's that high. I think they're taking into account the fact that it's a home game way too much. Um, 
talking about one of the best teams on the road in college basketball, one of the best teams in college basketball in Kansas. I don't know. Uh, there's not many teams. There's not me personally. There's not a single team that I would say has a good chance of beating them. That, that I think I think Kansas should be favored in every game they play. Um, I'm under that impression at, at this moment in time. Um, but yeah, that that's that's actually insane. Um, anyway, coming into this game, I, I feel like Texas um, that the players probably tastes like a pomegranate in their mouth. It's a little bit, it's a little bit sour. It's a, it's a sour taste in their mouth from losing a few games. Um, they're, they're really trying to get back on the right, the right direction. And um, I, I'm worried going into this game that it's not going to happen. Um, they're a good team. Like I said earlier, they got that firecracker off the bench and, and Sir Jabari Rice, and they, they have that. They, but they don't have much depth outside of him. And um, Kansas, I think, has the firepower, the top end talent that Texas doesn't. Um, like we've talked about so many times with Kansas, when all their players are playing well, or not all their players, their top four guys really are playing well. Whenever they're giving Jalen Wilson help, they're unbeatable. Um, so Texas coming to this game, definitely not liking where they're at. Um, lost two in a row. It's a good thing for them. This game's at home. If this game was on the road, I'd feel for them terribly. But this this game being at home definitely helps them out a lot. I agree. You know, this is a Texas team that it, it, we mentioned earlier is just slipping aside at the wrong time. But if you look at Kansas, they're getting wins that that they weren't getting earlier this year, and they're doing it pretty convincingly. If you look at their earlier game from this week, they took down Texas Tech 63-67. to 67, And that stat doesn't jump off the page at you. But like we mentioned with Alabama, sometimes it's about just getting by and getting that win. But when you look at the scoring, they had three starters have over 10 points. A guy like Grady Dick went 0 for 7 on the day, but had four points off the free throw line. I think that Grady Dick is the kind of player that he's not going to have too many games in a row like that. Um, and if you go another step further against uh, West Virginia, uh, Grady Dick also kind of struggled in that one. I know he had uh, 16 points, but he went 5 for 10 from the field, uh, 5 for 8 from 3. So he was only kind of focusing on that three-point arc, which, I mean, I know that that's his bread and butter, but... Against a team like Texas, which plays with a lot of guards, sometimes it's more important to get in the paint and score in, in under the arc. So I think that that's going to be important for Kansas in this one. You look at a guy like Jalen Wilson, I expect Jalen Wilson to dominate. He could set the all-time NCAA scoring for, for a single game in this one because I just don't see anybody on Texas that's going to be able to stop him in the painted area. I, I don't see anybody that's going to be able to limit him scoring the basketball. Um, and, and I could say that for a lot of guys uh, for Kansas. I, I expect Grady Dick to have a pretty good day as well. Uh, I think this is a Kansas team that is rolling at the right time. Um, I, I think this is a Texas team. I don't care what ESPN says. I, I don't think they're playing good basketball right now. I don't think they're playing well defensively, offensively. They don't get on the bus right for all I care. I, I think that this is a Kansas team that's going to roll into Austin and roll over the Longhorns in this one. Yeah, um, Kansas is, in my opinion, probably the second hottest team in the, in the country right now, maybe behind Houston, but arguably the hottest team in the country. Um and I mean, seven straight's hard to do, and especially in the best conference in basketball. So Kansas is definitely on top of the world right now. And um, I don't understand where ESPN is getting this one from. So I'm going to roll with you here. Next gen curse could definitely strike us here, but um, I, Kansas is just so good. Um, Jalen Wilson can win you a game by himself. And he has three, three or four complimentary guys that can also just go out there and get buckets. They're one of the best teams in, in the country. Um, I mean, and definitely we're not the only ones. I think this is going to be a good game. Uh, tickets going for 275 plus. So um, just personally, I'm not paying that much. I can watch it, you know, on ESPN. So uh, I definitely like Kansas in this one. Um, and I, I kind of agree with you. I think Jalen Wilson and Grady to kind of lead things here. And then um, they get they get help from other guys that that's why they've been winning recently. You know, they've been playing team basketball and that's that's you know what they're going to continue to do. I feel like. Yeah, I got to agree. And we've mentioned it before that. You know, this is a Kansas team. If all their guys are scoring and they're scoring consistently, I mean, this is a very dangerous Kansas team that uh, I think could potentially not. I don't. I don't want to say waltz their way to a, a, at least a Final Four, but I, I think if you're Kansas, if you don't get to the Final Four, like that's a disappointment because this is a really, really talented basketball team that Bill Self has. Uh, there's a lot of happy anticipation out there in, in Kansas. And, you know, on the topic about the tickets, I will say the Moody Center is absolutely phenomenal. It's really, really nice. Um, I've seen a couple pictures and videos of it. So maybe I, I kind of understand why the tickets are way up there. But 
still, I don't necessarily disagree with you for, for a basketball game that I'm going to be at for an hour and a half. I don't know that I'm going to spend 300 bucks um, because as far as tickets go, there's probably $200 worth of fees after that as well, because, you know, you've got to buy a minimum of two tickets, I think most places. So that's, that's even more on that one. However, back to the basketball side of things, if you're Texas, you need a win here, but how exactly are you going to do that? Uh, I think it kind of just starts with limiting Jalen Wilson. And then, I don't know, I feel like you have to kind of attack them one at a time, right? So Jalen Wilson's going to be, you know, the primary scorer. I think you got to go at him first, um, try to slow him down, and then see who's hurting you at that point, right? So if Jalen Wilson's not doing it, it's going to be somebody. It could be Dewan Harris Jr., could be um, the colors, could, could be Grady Dick. Any of them really can really do something to you. So if if you limit Wilson at first, see who's starting to hurt you, and you go at him, um, really just attack the hot the hot hand. Um, we've seen before this team can, can all be cold at the same time. It's happened, um, and that, that's why they've lost games that they've lost. That's why they won that skit earlier because not everybody was able to score the ball. So you got to find the hot hand and limit that um, and then hope that the other guys start missing shots. It's, it's a lot of hoping against the Kansas team right now. Uh, they're so hot. It's just hoping that the shots stop falling. Yeah, I got to agree. I think that there's less that Texas can do and more that Kansas can't do as far as a Texas win on on Saturday. I think that, you know, this is a, a Texas team that is just kind of skidding. And if you're Texas, you know, you're looking at this game and you you obviously you want to win. But you kind of set yourself as a benchmark and say, OK, listen, let's at least get to 75 points. Let's keep it within a 10 point game. Like, let's lose by single digits. We need to get something out of this game because, you know, you might not get a win. But, you know, you don't want to go into your conference tournament losing three games in a row because winning breeds winning, but losing breeds losing. So I think that you've got to be looking for a silver lining in this game. And I'm I'm very against that. I'm not sitting here saying that that's what they should do. But if you're Texas, you need to kind of set yourself a benchmark, set yourself an expectation and a goal that isn't going to be determined by a win or a loss. Right. Go get 75 points. Shoot you know, 34% or higher from behind three, like do something that that can kind of maybe give you a little bit of momentum, a little bit of hope going into that conference championship uh, starting next week. Yeah, I like that take a lot. Um, this game really doesn't mean much for Texas. Uh, like we've said before, they're a guaranteed, they're a shoe in for the tournament. Um, what's kind of more important to them at this point is, is seeding for the conference tournament and then trying to win the conference tournament. So it'd be nice to get a win, uh, boost your seeding, have an easier road to the championship for the Big 12, but um, more so, I like what you're saying. Get get some some things going in the right direction. Um, it's not about making that huge turn. It, it's about just slowly turning things around at this point. Uh, get things going sort of in the right direction. If you lose, it's okay. This game doesn't hurt you. You can't drop in the rankings. Uh, we're in the state standings right now, so uh, I like what you're saying there for sure. Um, and then, really, I think what matters the most to them right now is is the conference tournament. I gotta agree, and you know, speaking of seeding in the tournament, you know, you talk about, you know, if Texas wins, then they've got a chance to move up. Well, I argue that they might even not because Kansas State and Baylor have home games against teams that I think they should be uh, in West Virginia and Iowa State. So, you know, even if Texas pulls off the upset in this one, there's still a chance that they don't even move in the brackets and the seeding doesn't even change. So, you know, like I said, I think Texas needs to be more concerned with themselves in this one and less concerned with the game and its actual outcome. Because, you know, let's say you go out there and you lose 82 to 88. Okay, well, listen, you still scored 82 points on Kansas. That's a great night. You you kept it close. That's a good night. And, And so... You know, maybe kind of set those those goals and those expectations for yourself just to kind of get something out of this game that could potentially be productive. Because like you said, this game is almost like an exhibition. It almost doesn't even matter. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how Texas responds to that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, me and you're saying this game doesn't really matter. I guarantee that both these teams really want to win this game. So um, that they're going to be playing like it matters, even if, you know, in actuality, it doesn't matter too much. So there's going to be a lot of intensity. I feel like in this one, um, Texas definitely wants to get back at Kansas. So, Got to agree. This game is at 4 p.m. on Saturday on ESPN. I know a lot of our, our listeners and our viewers are definitely going to be wanting to tune in to that one. We're going to move into our final game of the weekend. Number eight, Arizona is on the road at number four, UCLA. These are two teams that I think are amongst those that are the most 
underrated teams in the country. And I know I've said that a, a couple times a day with Clemson and, and Texas A&M. These two teams are on like a completely different level because they don't necessarily look like they're underrated, right? UCLA is number four in the country and Arizona is number eight. However, when you hear people talk about national championships and Final Four, you don't hear a peep about Arizona and UCLA. These are two really, really good basketball teams. Okay, I know the one time we covered them, they did not play a good basketball game, but typically they're a really good basketball team. These are two teams that I expect to uh, give us a showcase. I, I expect these two teams to um, really be giving it at all, really be going at it in, in the tournament. And, and I think that this is a team, especially in UCLA, that could potentially make some noise. Yeah, and it really just kind of falls on East Coast bias. Um, their games are usually played later at night. People aren't staying up to watch those games. And so I get why they don't get talked about as much, but at the same time, they deserve it. Um, they've been balling out all year. Uh, it's kind of flew under the radar, like you're saying. So this is definitely a big game. Um, doesn't really change much standings-wise for them in the conference, but um, Arizona definitely wants to win this one. Um, they are coming off the loss against a rival uh, against Arizona State, and, and this is a game where they, they want to get back. They beat UCLA the first time, and this, is, this can definitely be a confidence builder for them um, as they get closer to conference tournament time. I agree. And, you know, I know UCLA has already kind of locked up that Pac-12 regular season championship. But if you're looking at Arizona, they're fighting for that second spot still. They got a team in USC who is nipping at their heels. Both teams are 13 and 5 in conference. So, yeah, you know, a loss and a USC win puts them in third place. I know that they're definitely not going to be wanting that to happen. You're UCLA. You're sitting here fighting for a number one seed. Because uh, from a lot of what I've seen, UCLA is a two seed in a lot of people's opinions. So, you know, UCLA is, is fighting the country almost for that number one seed. And you got Arizona fighting USC for that number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament. I think that this is going to be an absolute barn burner. I think that this is going to be a really, really great game. And it's going to come down to who can step up defensively. If you look at these two teams, you've got Arizona, who normally allows teams to score about 71 points. But on the flip side, you get UCLA, who normally allows teams 59. So this, that's a huge gap. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of defensively where these two teams are at so late in the season. For sure. And I, I will say this, Arizona does play USC tonight in a really big game to see who is uh, going to get that that bump for now. Um, that game could end up you know, not mattering as much depending on what happens on Saturday, but that game definitely means a lot to Arizona tonight. And um, so, I mean, I don't know how exactly the tiebreakers would work in this situation. Um, Arizona beat USC the first time. So I, I guess if Arizona wins tonight, they they should lock up that two seed, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but really th this game, um, I, I think UCLA just wants revenge. Um, uh, this is a UCLA team that, in my opinion, I've talked about Houston and Kansas being some of the hottest teams in the country. This UCLA team is definitely up there as one of the hottest teams in the country. Um, they didn't lose in February. Uh, their last loss was to USC. They went on a little skid and lost to Arizona and then USC in back-to-back -back games, and they haven't lost since. Um, and to go along with that, we talked about how hard it is um, – I mean, it's just hard to – it's easy to win games at home, but it's hard to, to go a whole season without losing at home. Um, and they're 15-0 at home right now. Haven't lost a home game all year. You don't want to blow that now. Um, and I think UCLA has all the makings to go on a run this year. Um, they're the one defensive team that's like a high-profile team, you know, Tennessee, Iowa State, uh, UCLA that are really – defensive-minded Virginia that hasn't really gone on some kind of skit. Um, they've actually just ramped up the intensity as the season's going on, and they've gotten better um, throughout the year. And so that's encouraging to see uh, a defensive team that really is living up to that that potential and that they're continuing to win games despite fatigue of the season. Um, and then on the other side, Arizona, um, one of the best teams in big games all year, 5-0 and against ranked opponents this year. Um not many teams can say they're undefeated against ranked opponents. So this game, you know, I'd like to say that UCLA has the, the big advantage here. Um, they're playing at home and uh, they're hot. They're the hottest, one of the hottest teams in the country and they won't revenge. Like everything's going in their direction, but Arizona, it wouldn't shock me if Arizona could come in here and get a win. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree. I, I don't think, 
I think a more surprising outcome would be one of the teams gets blown out. Definitely don't see that happening. I see it being a pretty close game. And, you know, I think UCLA is probably the better pick here. However, I'm going to ride with the Wildcats um, because they're big game teams, right? Some teams just have that in them. And so I think that Arizona, if they can get by USC tonight, I feel confident that they will. If they can get by USC tonight, um, I think they're going to get the better of UCLA again. I know that that's not really going to matter too much as far as seating and whatnot goes, but um, I, I do th- expect this to be uh, a really close game out there on the West Coast, out in L.A. These are two proven Pac-12 teams that we're going to talk about probably late into April. Um, I, I fully expect these two teams to to make a deep run in March. These are two, um, you know, you got Arizona in, in a really high-scoring offense, average 83 points, and you've got UCLA in an unbelievable defensive team like we mentioned. So, I think that this is going to be a really great game, but I am going to roll with the Wildcats. Yeah, no next-gen curse in this one. I'm, I'm going with UCLA. Um, I didn't, you know, you said earlier, winning breeds winning, and I am going to stick with that. Um, I picked Kansas for almost the same reason. They're extremely hot, and I think UCLA up there is one of the hottest teams in the country. Um, I'm just confident in, in their ability to – I mean, they're not bad in big games. They're two and three. And it's hard to beat ranked teams. Um, and one of those, I mean, a few of those probably on the road. So, you know, UCLA is a good, a really good team. They're one of the hottest teams in basketball. And I think they hand Arizona their first uh, ranked loss in the year. Definitely cannot disagree with that take. I think, like we mentioned, any take at this one uh, is probably a good safe pick. You can find this game on ESPN at 10 p.m. on Saturday. Those West Coast games will get you. But that is uh, a big time game that I think you're definitely going to want to watch outside of these games on Saturday there are a lot of really good matchups you look at uh, teams like Kansas State West Virginia uh, Auburn Tennessee Kentucky Arkansas TCU at Oklahoma Pitt at Miami for that top spot in the ACC and then finally on the day you've got UConn at Villanova two teams that are uh, pretty hot in the Big East right now so lots of great basketball across the board um, pretty much at any time on Saturday, it, it's a great time of the year to be invested in college basketball. Staying in college basketball, but moving to the women's side. Uh, tournaments have been going on um, so far. It's been, you know, lower seeds, playing lower seeds, but there are um, games going on currently. I know that Clemson is playing right now, Thomas. They're actually losing 26 to 32 in the second quarter. So I apologize. I had to break the news to you. Uh, some of those bigger uh, opponents, uh, bigger ranked teams are going to be playing tomorrow. So you're definitely going to want to tune into those over the weekend as, as conference championships get handed out. Yeah, I find it interesting that you said that that's the score because I'm looking at the same score right now and it says it's 29-21. So we're actually going to come back right now. So oh, uh, watch out. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, a lot of good games coming up the stretch here for the women. Speaking of conference championships, the men, we got some going on right now. Thomas, I know that you've kind of spent some time looking at this. What 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 do we got going on as far as some of these lesser conference championships going on? So, yeah, the, the first one to uh, get started was the A-Sun. Um, first games of March Madness and the A-Sun. So with all the smaller teams, it's, it's kind of um, predictable to see what's going to happen. Usually it's a one through three seed to do something and then, in the A-Sun, um, Kennesaw State, Liberty, and EKU are those top three teams. Uh, Kennesaw State and, and Liberty were actually the, the top two seeds in this one. And um, I'm actually going to go with the two seed here. I think I think Liberty probably going to be the uh, winner that we can look for going into March. Definitely got to agree. I know that Liberty's played some pretty good basketball this year. I, I saw a video not too long ago talking about uh, how Liberty could potentially be uh, a Cinderella-run team in March. Uh, for sure. And then the the next one that's going on right now or that the conference tournament starting soon is um, the Big South. And they kind of have the, their one best team. Uh, it's been UNC Asheville all year. They've kind of been dominant in that conference. And so I, I look for them to continue success there and, and you know, win this conference. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with that take. I think they're the best team in this conference by a lot. Yep, and then uh, the CAA hasn't started yet, but it will be starting soon. That's the Colonial Athletic Association. Um, the two top teams are the ones that need to be talked about here, Hofstra and College of Charleston. 
Um, it's probably a little bit biased in this pick, but I like how the Charleston winning this one, getting revenge over Hofstra. Um, but I really think both these teams deserve a spot in the national tournament. Yeah, I got to agree. I'm, I'm going to roll with the Cougars as well. Um, I think that these are two teams, though, that have proven themselves throughout the year, and I definitely th- agree that they should they should both get in. I know they probably both won't, but they should both get in. Um, and then and the next one is the Horizon League. Um, and first place was Youngstown State, and then there was a three-way tie for a third with Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Northern Kentucky. And um, in this one, there's a lot that could go on. Um, I'm not – really sold on any of these teams being a great one, but I, I like the number one seed, Youngstown State, coming out of this one. Cannot disagree. Next up, we've got the Missouri, sorry, Missouri Valley Conference, the MVC. Um, their best team is, is Bradley, and um, this is a conference that really has been kind of neck and neck for most of the year. I was actually just watching Indiana State not too long ago in this conference tournament, and they look really good too. So there's a lot of good teams here. Um, it's really kind of hard to point a finger at any of these, but I think I'm going to go with the three seed in this one and go with Southern Illinois. They've been one of the better teams on the road this year, and I like them winning this one. Got to disagree. I think I'm going to go with Indiana State, the home of Larry Bird. I don't think that's bad. I, I do want to mention, though, um, if, if Bradley can come out of this conference, um, they're a team to look out for. Uh, in March, just because of, I mean, right now they're on a huge winning streak. They're hot at the right time. That's always an important factor when picking uh, any upsets um, in in March. Um, but next up, we have the Northeast Conference, which is um, by far the worst conference in college basketball. If you guys didn't know, um, they're the number one team or the number one seed is Merrimack. They're unable to go to uh, March Madness because they are a uh, Division two team that's just now switch it over to Division One, so they don't have a good shot. And then um, I want to say it's Stonehill. Yeah, Stonehill also uh, is the, is the is tied for the two seed, and they can't make it uh, to March Madness either um, because they're a Division Two team that's moving up to Division One. So they have some of the worst teams in college basketball. Um, so the team that's going to come out of this conference, I do believe, will be Farley Dickinson um, just because the teams that are around them don't have a chance of going. There you go. Um, I do want to mention that, St. Francis of uh, Pennsylvania can also make a run here, but I, I'd kind of stick to Farley Dickinson in this one. Um, but on to the next one, we've got the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, not to be confused with the Missouri Valley Conference. And in this one, um, I think the kind of easy pick here is Moorhead State. They've been the best team in this conference all year, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, I think Moorhead State is a is a potential Cinderella run team in, in the actual tournament. Definitely don't disagree with that. Um, and then we move over to the Patriots League. And in this one, Colgate has been the dominant, dominant, dominant team. We see Colgate in the tournament year in and year out, and I think that's going to hold true this year. Yeah, Matt mentioned them as one of his Cinderella run teams. I, I fully expect them to make some noise, not just in their conference tournament, but also the national one as well. For sure. Moving over to the Southern Conference. There's a two-way tie between Furman and Sanford for that number one seed. And then UNC Greensboro is up there as well. Um, really, any of these three teams are, are pretty solid all over 20 wins. I do like Furman, though. Um, they have the longest win streak in this conference. I see that continuing. Yeah, I got to agree. I think Furman is a very well-put-together basketball team. Moving on over to the Summit League. Uh, one of the only teams to go undefeated in conference play, maybe the only team. I'm not 100% sure on that, but Oral Roberts. Um, I think I would be an idiot to not pick them to win their conference, if I'm being honest with you. Got to be real honest with you, Thomas. I think Oral Roberts is a sweet 16-bound team. I think this is a very, very good basketball team. For sure. 27-4 and four speaks for itself overall. Um, moving, over, moving over to the Sun Belt or Fun Belt Conference, uh, Really, three teams here you want to know about. You got Southern Miss, Louisiana, and Marshall. Uh, I think Southern Miss um, is able to pull this one out as the one seed. I think I'm going to take Marshall. Not a bad take. All those teams are really good. Um, And then to wrap it up, the West Coast Conference getting started here soon. Uh, The top three are really the important ones here, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and Santa Clara. I think St. Mary's comes out on top here, um, but I do like Santa Clara to make some kind of run, possibly. That's the one you need to look out for. Got to agree. I think that I'm going to roll with St. Mary's over Gonzaga in that championship game. 
that is going to do it today, guys, for the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know that there's a lot going on right now. We can't cover everything, but we try to give you guys the absolute most bang for your buck. Thomas, I know that Next Gen Tigers has been kind of delayed. It's a crazy time of the year. Uh, How can the the people find you? Uh, Just on Twitter at Next Gen Tigers. And you can find us uh, as a page on Facebook as well at Next Gen Tigers. Still working on getting the group set up there for for the Tigers and the athletics. Um, But right now the plan for for Tigers is to to come out uh, over the weekend with a video, kind of recapping what we've missed. And then Monday, come out with a video uh, or a podcast, I should say, about um, what there is to expect uh, coming up. Mike and I have both been very, Mike, so Mike more so than me, has been very busy uh, recently. Um, it's just one of those things. We're, we're college students. We have lives outside of this that unfortunately sometimes get in the way of our podcasts, but we're doing our best to cover everything over at Next Gen Tigers. Yeah, I got to agree. I know it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks here in Columbia for me, so I apologize, Hokie and Gamecock fans. I have not been able to put out those uh, podcasts as regularly regularly as I planned on I uh, just ask that you kind of bear with me show me a little grace right now it's uh, this time of the semester is just it's really hard to deal with if you're a college student so I uh, just pray that I uh, ask that you just be with me work with me on that one so uh, I know that the uh, those will come out as soon as I can get them out Thomas as always thank you so much for joining us You guys out there, have a wonderful weekend. Watch some women's and men's basketball, and we will talk to you guys next week.